welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast, where we deep dive into the best matches in AEW history. Brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network and your host, Sam Brown. Yes, hello and welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brown. Thank you for joining me. Every week, alongside a special guest, I take an in-depth look at one of the best matches in AEW history taken from the definitive AEW Match Guide as ranked by over 30 wrestling commentators from around the internet wrestling community. If you enjoy the show today, you can subscribe and rate it on your podcast app of choice. And make sure you check out all of the other great shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network that cover all the aspects of the world of pro wrestling. My guest for today is a writer for Wrestle In, Caro, and we're looking at Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega from Full Gear 2020. How are you going today, Caro? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to talk about this match because it's one of my favorites AEW has done, and it's actually a pretty important match considering the build-up before it and the build-up after it, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to dissect here. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those matches that I had flagged when I put the list out. I had flagged mm-hmm. as like, this is going to be something that it's going to be a special podcast when this happens. So uh, I'm really glad to have you here with me. Uh, now, before we get into the actual match, I just want to ask you, as I ask everyone here on the Match Guide podcast, uh, how did you get into AEW? Yeah, so for pretty much all of my life, I was into WWE. So I got into wrestling in like the middle of the Ruthless Aggression era in the mid 2000s. And WWE was just something that like I always watched. Around 2014, 2015, like the mid 2010s when I started to lose interest in wrestling, particularly WWE. So I was like, wait a minute, am I not liking wrestling anymore? I mean, or am I not liking WWE? Because that's an important distinction. So one day in 2017, I was pretty sick. Like I couldn't go to class because I was in college at the time and I I had to like stay in bed the whole day. My friend texts me and he's like, hey, so while you're recovering um, from your fever, I need you to look up this match. And he gives me like the links and everything. And it's Kenny Omega versus Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 11. (laughs) And I watched it and boom, like the rest is pretty much history. I Mm. followed Kenny and the Elite from that point on. And that would naturally lead me into AEW. So I'm like, Mm. oh my gosh, they're making a promotion, like an actual wrestling promotion. That's competition with WWE. We haven't seen that since WCW. And it was just so fascinating to just see AEW grow from there, from like the first Double or Nothing show all the way to like full gear last month. It's just been an incredible ride for me. I wonder how long your friend was sitting on that match, just being like, I've got to find the right time. You know, it's not yeah. the kind of, you can't just get into Kenny Omega at Okada when you're on a no. lunch break. Like, you need no. time to sort of watch and digest and like let it do yeah. its work on you. <laughs> like, after I watched that match, I was like, oh my goodness. These two people are amazing. I need to see more of them, especially Kenny. So, mm. yeah, it's pretty much how everything snowballed from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that match, the people who listen will probably get sick of me talking about this, but <laughs> that match had a similar effect for me. You yeah. know, it just it, it took my WWE centric mindset. I knew there was stuff outside. I just had never explored it and looked at it and it just totally flipped it and made me go, wow, there is like some really really cool stuff that's happening outside of the WWE and I want to follow it and get into it. And Mm -hmm. yeah, five years later, here we are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So looking at the actual match to get into Hangman versus Kenny Omega from Full Gear 2020, as we always do, we'll give this match its flowers. Big Puffer Dave gave it 4.5 of the big ones. Cage match has currently got it rated as 8.6. And when we did the definitive match guide earlier in 2021, it came in 27th uh, in our top 50. So, you know, quite a quite a well-respected match, if not blowing the lights out. But I think it's a match that I'm really looking forward to getting into, particularly because of the build, because yes. this is something that is almost as much about the build as it is about the match, I feel like. It's long and sorted. Where do we start? I think, for me, it's got to go back to before AEW, before anyone had thought of mm-hmm. AEW. Uh, and the first fragments of tension between these two, of course, they're both members of the Bullet Club at, th- at the time across Ring of Honor and New Japan. Kenny Omega was clearly the top guy in that faction, and Hangman Page was. Uh, as 
Nick, uh, Nick, I can't remember if it was Nick mm-hmm. or Matt Jackson, but they basically said he was the job guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he was certainly a presence in it. The first fragments of tension happened after Kenny Omega lost the IWGP US Championship to Jay White, and Hangman Page was the man to come and challenge Jay White for that. Yep. Kenny told him to back down publicly in front of everyone, uh, and that brought in Cody Rhodes and sort of sparked and ignited the Kenny Omega versus Cody Rhodes rivalry, which had sort of been happening in the background, but that's when it really exploded and, and Cody actually outright attacked Kenny. Yes. Uh, and, of course, because Cody was the man who had his back, Hangman sided with Cody at the time. Uh, now, there was a lot of – there was a number of tag matches that these two had. They actually even had a singles match at one point. Uh, Cara, did you see any of these matches at the time? What did you think of them? What are your memories of them? Yeah, so I actually did see them at the time. So, like, it's weird because, like, it actually took me a while to get absorbed into, like, all of New Japan. Like, I was watching, like, Clips of New Japan at the time because I was like, oh, I only want to watch Caddy and Billy. Mm. <laughs> but there's some really interesting character beats here. So, like, the way that Kenny clearly knows of, like, his higher status compared mm. to Hangman, I think it's just very ironic in a way because I remember even going further back to like 2014 when Kenny was, you know, was starting to be in the bullet club himself. Like he was kind of that kind of in that position himself, like kind of like in the lower end, like kind of on the shire and mm. like before, like his persona really blew up. I think he just sees a lot of his own insecurities in hangman, which obviously is a very important story beat that we, we've seen so many times before. And we, it's especially present here in 2018 and even more so in the present day. Yeah. And one thing I, I mean, the one thing that I love about this program, and we're going to detail it mm-hmm. <laughs> ad nauseum here today is right. I love that it's, it's really complex and fully developed characters. Uh, and in this circumstance where this first kicks off, like it, it makes so much sense from both wrestlers perspectives Kenny Omega, he's been the only IWGP US champion at this point. He just gets beaten Of course he wants to try and have a rematch. And then someone who's like his stabling, who's like his underling almost is coming out and he's like, mate, this is, this is my, can't you see like, hold your rank. Maybe you'll get a shot one day, but hangman page, it's really understandable from his perspective as well, that he would side with Cody Rhodes at this point, even though, you know, Cody's this egomaniacal guy and it's very clear who like the good guy and the bad guy is in this story. makes perfect sense that Hangman's going to be the one that, sides with Cody because he had his back. Cody is like, no, this we will sort this out at the back, but Kenny, you're out of line here. Hangman should be able to do this challenge if he wants to. And I, I really like the dynamic in this because for me at this point, this was my first real exposure to men, much in the way of Hangman Page having yep. matches. And he was a really great person to get in between Cody and Kenny because, of course, we just want – Kenny to blast Cody in the face with a V trigger, but Mm -hmm. he always had this big burly, like he's not a giant guy, but he's a big presence. He's got, he's a broad guy. He's muscular. He's, you know, got this long blonde hair. He's very physical. He's a big striker uh, and he's very athletic. And he was just constantly getting in between Cody and Kenny, particularly in like, there's this tag match that the golden lovers, Cody and um, sorry, Kenny and Coda, Mm -hmm have with Cody and, and Hangman. And it's this really interesting dynamic. And and Hangman was really good in that. And that, that was the first point that really opened my eyes to, to Hangman Page. And you mentioned that Hangman was always like that obstacle in between Cody and Kenny. And again, this just makes me think a lot about how even when they were tag teaming together, like Kenny always considered Hangman to be kind of like a burden for his goals mm. in a very like unusual way. Like, Hangman is the hurdle that he has to climb to get to the championship, like, mm-hmm. you know, in the full gear match. Yeah. So he just always sees Adam as just, oh, this obstacle or, oh, I'm, you know, better than him. Absolutely. And the fact that Hangman was clearly the underling to Kenny at this point and, and Kenny so clearly champed him. I don't know if that's a thing in America. Alfred him, I guess, is what you would say. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically told him to get back in line. Like, that's got to play into this down, you know, when we fast forward two years and, 
and end up where we're going to end up. So we will have to hit fast forward and, and fast forward a little bit here because, of course, uh, in twenty nine, in end of twenty eighteen, yeah, end of twenty eighteen, going into twenty nineteen, AEW launches. I think an interesting detail is when it was announced, Cody and the Bucks announced Double or Nothing. They switched their phones around and said had Double or Nothing on their phones, and Hangman Page is the one that goes, "Hey guys, my phone's got something else on it." Yes. And, and he's the one with the AEW yep. logo reveal, which I don't know. For me now, he's champion. I don't know. It just feels like the train tracks were already in place for for this story and yeah. what's what we're about to go through. Of course, Kenny isn't at the initial press conference, but Hangman Page is. He announces yep. his intention to become the first ever AEW champion and is is setting himself on this path to All Out where he eventually goes on to face Chris Jericho, who beat Kenny Omega, but ultimately Hangman is the one that loses. Uh, and he also later on loses in the Dynamite Diamond Ring final against MJF. Yep. And then Kenny as well. He was a big announcement. He was at the second press conference, the big announcement for that. But he also goes on a bit of a losing streak at the start of all this. He loses to Chris Jericho. He loses at, at double or nothing. He loses to Pack at All Out. He loses to Moxley at full gear and is on the slide and is sort of questioning where he's at. And that's what bring the, brings these two together. Um, almost like their collective failure is what yep. brings them together as a tag team champion. Sorry, a tag team pairing. They go on to become champions. Caro, what did you think of the initial teaming of these guys, um, particularly with them going on to become tag team champions in AEW? It's what you mentioned with them bonding over collective failure, because that's exactly what I thought of when they first tag team together, which is sort of ironic because you have Kenny and Hangman and they're both wanting to find success um, in AEW. So on the one hand, you have Hangman who's like, I'm going to be the first AEW champion, but he loses Jericho, he loses the Dynamite does it, and he lost at full gear. And on the other hand, you have Kenny who's also like, my career in Japan was absolutely amazing. It made me who mm. I am. And, you know, I'm going to do the same thing in the States. But there he is losing the pack and Moxley. So these two teaming together was just fitting. And it's really I- ironic, too, because they, I mean, they won the tag team championships. Mm. But the big question for me was, is this where they want to be? Are they happy? Is this where their happiness is? Because so far, it looks like they're using their reign as the tag team champion to kind of mask a lot of their anxiety and insecurities about finding success. Mm. So you have this um, contradicting idea of them being champions while also still dealing with being failures or at least having failed at their goals in AEW. So do you think that these guys were happy and and felt successful as tag team champions? I feel like in a sense that it was kind of like yes and no. Mm. Like, obviously, it is good to have gold, but is this what they really want? Because clearly Mm. they both want to be AEW world champion. And, you know, that's what they both set out to do. I just think it's like so fascinating because there's not really like a black and white way to look at this. A lot of wrestling for decades there's always been like oh this is 100% face or oh mm. this is 100% heel like it's face or heel can't mm. be both and Kenny and Adam's alignments like are in the gray area obviously we would see Kenny go like full heel later mm. down the road a month after this full gear match yep <laughs> but I just think like a lot of their interactions are very human yeah it's like not in the sense of like whether this is like a facing or a heel thing it's sort of like oh they're human this is how they deal with failure yeah i i like to think of particularly there's different parts of bte that you can say like oh is this canon or is this not i think a lot of the stuff with with these two particularly at this point i have to accept it as their internal monologues and and this is for them this is kind of what's going on when the dynamite cameras are off uh, and I love that aspect of BTE. That's yeah. that's why I'm like a religious watcher of it because I think it adds a lot of layers, extra layers to exactly. what, what goes on in AEW. And at this point, I think it's pretty clear, like particularly Kenny, he's, you know, off having massive one-on-one matches with Pac and also chasing other goals as well. So for him, he's like seeing this tag team as like a thing that he can do and it's good, but it's not really where he wants to be to, to answer exactly. what you were saying. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But with Hangman, he 
like he says, this is my greatest career achievement because I think up until this point, he'd never had a significant championship yeah. reign. I may be completely off base with that. Um, but this is for him, this is his, the greatest achievement he's had in his career, but he still doesn't feel whole, um, which is an interesting little plot thread that's going to plague Hangman Page for a long time. Mm-hmm. That, you know, even though he's got these accolades and he is very accomplished and he's very good at what he does. He feels insecure uh, and he doesn't feel like he is actually a success or a champion. And I just remember the BTE after they won on the cruise ship. Yeah. It has him waking up uh, and the light is like reflecting off the championship into his eyes. And he's got like this giant headache because he's hung over because right. he's been drinking. I remember. Uh, and the whole bit after that is him feeling like he's got imposter syndrome, uh, him going about the signings and things he had to do during the day as a champion, but feeling very much like he wasn't a champion and that even though he'd achieved this, that he didn't deserve it somehow. Uh, and I, it was really sad to, sad to see in some ways because, you know, he is sort of proud of what he's done, but at the same time, he, he isn't feeling whole. Uh, and, and that was something that, you know, that's going to plague them throughout the entire championship reign and flag up particularly in their first major feud which was with the young bucks uh who hangman had already had some some tense moments with um just given the fact that after his initial losses he decided he thought he might want to leave the elite and and not be part of their stable because he didn't feel like he he fit in with the rest of them that is obviously you know like a really high point for their their tag team reign in terms of the match that they had with the elite um what for you is is the highlight of their tag championship reign well the obvious answer i'm gonna give is the revolution tag team match yeah for many many reasons um like um the storytelling is great in that match um i was there in person so i have a big bias (laughs) because um that match was just such an amazing experience to see live Especially if, like, you have followed the Elite and their YouTube Mm. series for years, there were so many Easter eggs in that match that you felt rewarded for all the years that you paid attention, which is something that I certainly felt um, watching that match um, at the Wintrust Arena. Like, as someone who has kept, like, literal Google Docs (laughs) of (laughs) Easter eggs and stuff, I was just like, wait... They referenced like that moment and that moment. And it was just, it was, it was not only like a fantastic tag team match, but it was also just um, a way of those four guys giving the fans a really nice thank you in a way for supporting them. um, Not only with their um, wrestling accomplishments, but opening a new promotion, which was like less than a year old at that time. Yeah. I've said on a different podcast that I think like the young bucks are just absolute wrestling nerds. Uh, and it yes, shows through when 100%. you when you look at matches like this where they're against two like-minded individuals, particularly Kenny Omega is a guy who thinks like really deeply about wrestling and uh, and and you know match layouts and and they really dedicate themselves to that and you can see that that love and effort in a match like this. Uh, and I think particularly you know for the story that we're looking at the Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page story. In this match, there's a few things that you can sort of pull out, particularly, you know, I think in this match, Hangman feels like he has to do it himself a little bit uh, because Kenny Omega, of course, had that Iron Man match just a few days before his shoulders, not right. not right. And Hangman is also extra fired up because heading into it, the the Young Bucks have sort of negged him a little bit and, and tried to tear, tear him down a, a few spots. And so he feels like he has to almost go this one alone. And the the peak of that, of course, is him, you know, not trusting his partner and hitting the one ring and angel himself to try and take that <laughs> win and try and grab that win. And then, of course, you've got that, that brilliant moment at the end where the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are standing in the centre of the ring and Hangman Page is on the outside, you know, very, oh, that was very visually split. And you're wondering, is either side about to make a move right now? Because there's a moment where it looks like the the elite, um, that being the, the Bucks and Kenny, might be looking to yep. super, do, do the three-man super kick like they did to AJ Styles. And then there's another bit where, of course, Hangman puts down his belt and grabs the 
grabs the ropes just as he does when he's going for the buckshot lariat. But, you know, it, it's all teasing. But, you know, that sort of feeling of tension is something that just goes all the way through this tag team championship reign. When you're a wrestling fan who pays attention to all of these little small details, it just feels so immensely rewarding. And I think what they what they were able to do tonight, and not only that much, but just in general. Yeah. I love I love talking about these things because it's like it's so they take wrestling and it's just so deep and complex and they give it the complexity that can only be matched in like long running TV shows and dramas. Yeah, I've always thought one of the interesting things and one of the reasons that I know for me, I get so invested in wrestling is it in some ways it happens in real time. Like I am a I yep. love getting invested in like, you know, the prestige storytelling stories like the moment my wife and I are starting to binge watch through succession and we're both chatting about it after every episode and talking about what could potentially happen and all these things. But one of the interesting things with wrestling is that it happens in real time. Like a week for us is a week for the characters there. Whereas in another story it's, and so everything's drawn out over a much longer period, but it also gives room for everything to breathe a lot more. Uh, And, and, you know, sometimes that, that leads to things being feeling like they're too drawn out but in some set, in some instances, it allows things to really develop into like such fully formed things. And this tag reign and this this pairing between the two, you know, I said I talked about like this thread of tension. That's not always there because, you know, these two actually have a relationship and and that has its ups and downs. You know, like during the stadium stampede, uh, they've got that brilliant little segment in the bar with Jake Hager. And they're very united, you know, like they're very happy together and they're working so well as a team. And there's moments in in this pairing where they're they're actually they actually are working both as friends and also as you know as tag team partners and they're working really well together. And one of the things that I appreciated about um, their dynamic is that so many times in wrestling for years and years and years, you'd always see like a face and a heel dynamic. So you look mm. at a character and they're like, oh, they're a face. They go to town to town. They say, yay, I love this city. They do good things. They handshake um, fans and kids. And, you know, they're one of the good old faces of the company. And if you look at someone else, they're like, oh, they're a heel. They do the opposite. They go from town to town. They hate on, you know, whatever sports team. <laughs> and they cheat in the ring. And with Kenny and Hangman, when you look at the nuances between their relationship, you can't really necessarily say like, oh, well, this is totally a face thing or, oh, this is totally a heel thing. Like, obviously, Kenny would explode more into a heel direction and Adam Page would explore more into a face direction later down the road. But at least with like their relationship back then, like friendship is so complex mm. and there's so many different lines that have to be solved through communication. What Kenny and Hangman didn't have was that nuance was very clear cut communication. And that's just not a problem with them. We also see this problem with the young bucks too. Like they're a good group of friends, but like sometimes their ways of communication is off. They can't really express those emotions in a healthy way. It goes beyond more of a face or heel thing. It's, it's like life. This is human experiences. Like I'm sure we've all had friends or dealt with situations where we can't really communicate efficiently and we have to learn how to express those emotions or problems that we have in a healthy way. So I think that's what was pretty much going on with those two. Yeah. And, and as we said, hangman himself particularly is for a long time, not really in a really clear headspace. Uh, and and that's exacerbated when FTR turn up on the scene, uh, and he yep. he starts to question this relationship he has with Kenny and the Young Bucks, um, because obviously he's had this huge flashpoint of tension which sort of never really got resolved with the Young Bucks, where he he still feels like they don't respect him, uh, like they, you know, they wanted to try and bring him down, and that they were almost jealous of him in some ways. Uh, and trying to undermine him, uh, even though he, you know, was going through a difficult period and needed support, he he never actually felt like he got that from the Young Bucks. And then that was exacerbated by FTR, who really, really mercilessly in the end sort of put a divider between him and the rest of the elite by making him feel welcome with them and making him question, you know, maybe I'm not like the elite after all. Uh, maybe I'm more like these guys. Uh, and them using that to ultimately 
get them the ta- get them the championship match against Kenny and Hangman at All Out. And and that's as you were talking about, you know, you've got heels and faces, but Hangman doesn't really fit either of that at this point. He's just a really tragic character um, where you want the best for him, but he does things that are just heartbreaking, like stopping the Young Bucks from being able to progress in this and betraying people who were his friends at one point. And that's the thing, too. Like, Hangman's made mistakes, too. He is a very sympathetic character. He has mm. a lot going on, but he does he, he's done things like interfering with the Young Bucks' match that are just very, like, you know, you do, you do things when you're not thinking clearly, like, not in yeah. that headspace. And this is something he takes accountability for way later down the road when, you know, gets established with the Dark Order and finds his confidence. Like, he does take that accountability. Mm. But at least early on in the storyline, like, he's not in that clear direction. I'm like, okay, is this right? Is this wrong? He's going with FTR because it feels like to him, FTR understands what he's going through, but, like, bonding with people through trauma or, like, bonding people in, like, a period of life where you're not really like emotionally or mentally stable or just not in that space. It's just, it's, it can kind of be disastrous. Like I've been there before. It is very human. It's just, there are so many layers to this. Yeah. And traditionally he's betrayed the young bucks of faces at this point. He's just betrayed faces. He's going to turn heel, right? No, he's not (laughs) because this is, this is like a more complex story than that. It's dealing with more complex characters. Uh, and I just and remember like, this. You, you reminded me because back then I saw people who were going to be, who were saying online, like, oh, Hangman's going to turn heel. And I'm like, really? Because I don't think that's where the story is going. I never saw Hangman turning heel. Well, look, I, I as I said, I kind of understand why they might mm-hmm. think that because, you know, yeah, he, for sure. He's doing heel things at this point. He's yeah, siding yeah. with the with the guys who are obviously the bad guys. Um, like you know, he's doing he's, heel things, but in yeah. the case of the story, it doesn't necessarily lead to a one hundred percent like yeah. oh heel, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and look, this is actually kind of divisive. I've had chats with particularly the guys from on this on this on the Social Superlakes podcast network, One Nation Radio. They're really critical of this because they were like, this guy is not a hero that we can get behind. Um, they they didn't connect with Hangman for a long time because they were like, this guy's a dickhead. <laughs> He's being a dickhead <laughs> to his friends. Um, and I was like, oh, it's so much more complex than that. But that but was their take on it. But his friends didn't communicate to him with. either. So can you yeah. blame Hangman for not expressing yeah. that? It's like exactly. a two-way streak here. <laughs> and, he, and he feels like one of the things we talked about earlier was BTE. And in BTE at this point, he is just going through so much guilt. Uh, and yep. and you can see in his actions on BTE, he is just so racked by guilt and this feeling of being a failure uh, and this feeling of being, as he said in the promo, like poison uh, and that everything he touches is terrible. And there's this just absolutely heartbreaking talk that he has with Brandon Cutler at this point where Brandon is going for his first ever win and he's really struggling because yeah. Nick and Matt won't walk to the ring with him either and he feels like he needs that to to sort of boost his confidence uh, after being on this losing streak that at this point's lasted, you know, like nearly 12 months. And Hangman Page just breaks down and just says, look, these guys, they won't look after you. And, and, and out of that is just coming all of this emotion that he hasn't dealt with in his relationship with the Bucks, but mm-hmm. also this yeah. sense of failure in himself. For me, it was really heartbreaking stuff and and really essential to understanding the Hangman character as well. Caro, before we get to the actual build-up to the individual match that these two are going to have, because we do have to get to that at some point, was there anything more <laughs> you just wanted to add about sort of the general story that's around this match um, between these two characters? We've pretty much covered everything. The only other thing that I'll mention is that despite some of the emotional anguish and um, underlying story that was with Hangman Page and Kenny, I did enjoy the stadium stampede match. That one spot where they're like in the bar, you know, they take a J.K. Hager and then they have like the drink. It's Mm. it's like even like in those um, moments where their friendship is kind of like tumultuous, there's still some bright spots. Yeah, absolutely. There's still some comedic moments. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, as we've said, like, these are complex characters, and and that's what you and I at least, or at least seems like you do as well. But I just love the (laughs) complexity of these characters and the depth that their story has. Um, Of course, as we alluded to, FTR eventually 
take this champion to take these tag team championships off Kenny and Hangman. Uh, they they managed to split them both physically in the ring, but also um, I guess metaphorically as people. Um, they they split them up, and at the end of that match, there's just that heartbreaking moment where Hangman, who feels like he has lost everything at this point, needs his his friend's support. But by this point, Kenny's just done with done with the drama, done with being in a tag team, um, done with sidelining his singles ambitions and just lets Hangman fall to the canvas after the match instead of supporting him, as I said, physically and also (laughs) figuratively. um, He is letting Hangman free fall by himself at that point. Heartbreaking moment. Uh, And then the two of them move into singles mode and there's the championship contenders tournament that's set up. Hangman and Kenny are both in it. To me, it was very clear that they were going to be the final, the finals of it. They're on either side of the yeah. bracket, uh, and they both make their way through it. Kenny absolutely flies through it. He just absolutely demolishes Sunny Kiss uh, in like thirty seconds, <laughs> and then and then tears a hole through Penta on his way to the final. Hangman has a, a much more difficult road. He goes through. I believe it was Lance Archer and and then Wardlow. Yep. Um, so you know he's had a much much <laughs> more difficult road to to mow to get through to the to the tournament. Um, Cara, what did you think of of this the presentation of this tournament? From the beginning, it was obviously like not only are we going to set up Kenny versus Hangman, but Kenny's going to get the championship after Moxley. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was the story. But again, like I mentioned before, sometimes knowing the story isn't a bad thing. It's like the road getting there. They, they they always say like, and I know it's cliched, like it's always about the destination. It's the journey. And the journey here was really great. One of my favorite moments of that tournament wasn't actually like a match, but it was the announcement of some of the contestants. And I remember Adam Page was doing guest commentary and they announced that Kenny's in it. And if you look at Adam Page, he just chokes on his beer. <laughs> and he's just like, he, who's in the tournament? <laughs> i've loved how um because as i said like he had to fight wardlow through this match and i love how at the time he was like talking about how much of a big bastard wardlow is and how tough he is and fast forward over a year now he's eventually won the championship he even noted that he wouldn't be um, defending his championship against wardlow because he doesn't doesn't want to have that fight again <laughs> <laughs> hey man Hangman obviously has a tougher road. I feel like with Kenny that like he had he had some good matches in this tournament, but like he say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Just sweeped through. Pun unintended. I just realized what I just said. <laughs> yep. I, <laughs> cleaned, he cleaned up, you might say. Uh, and, and that was obviously, a ve- as we said, like it was very clear from the start that the final was going to be Kenny and Kenny and Hangman. That was pretty obvious to anyone who who knows anything about wrestling and has been watching AEW for you know longer than a month. <laughs> uh, and but but they their progress through the tournament was given what their trajectories are going to be. It was meant to be contrasted. You've got Kenny Omega just cutting an absolute hole through this tournament, and then Paige obviously having to struggle a lot harder. Um, I'd argue against much harder opposition to be honest. The way Pentagon. Penta oh is, yeah, is no is no slouch, but particularly you look at their first round opponents, like there's a there's a bit of a difference there. Uh, <laughs> but but that was very intentional, right? Because that's yes. the way that that's the way they want to portray these two guys. Kenny, he's definitely on the up, whereas Hangman's going to have to struggle. Which brings us to the actual match that we came here to talk about. Um, <laughs> thanks for thanks for listening in, everyone. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the you know the. It's a big story. Episode. There's a lot to talk about. It's a great story, um, and there's so much to dig into. And this is also a great match as well. So, Full Gear 2020. That's the opening match. 
Don Callis, of course, is on commentary. Um, he's started partnering with Kenny Omega as a way to support Kenny Omega and, and sort of give Kenny Omega, you know, something a little bit extra, bringing back this guy from his past and and who was almost the voice of Kenny Omega when Kenny Omega was at his peak as a singles performer in New Japan. Kenny comes out first with his Uber entrance. It includes the line, he's headlined more AEW pay-per-views, won more matches, has a better winning percentage, and has eight more years' experience than his opponent, Hangman Adam Page, including a one <laughs> and zero singles record against his opponent tonight, who lives near but not in North Carolina. Carolina. Um, <laughs> um, Carol, I asked Brian this a few weeks ago, but what did you think of the Kenny Omega Uber entrance? It, it, it's great. It's like it's something that started like before the tournament. Yeah. Well, not I'm sorry, not before the tournament, before that match. It, it's so funny because at first I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's teasing the cleaner. And on Instagram, I don't know if you follow Kenny Omega's Instagram, but on Instagram around this time, he was posting several pictures that are like, oh, it's the cleaner. I think one time he literally posted Mr. Clean, like an image <laughs> of Mr. Clean. <laughs> and, and the dancing girl was coming out with brooms. Yeah. Yeah. So you got the brooms. It's so over the top and it's amazing. He's absolutely like teasing something. It's like he's parodying what a Western champion should be. You know, like yes. all this this giant entrance, this giant announcement, talking about how great, how incredible and how great this person is. It's like he's always parodying what, what that should be. You know, like you've got say, in, in the WWE, one of the more famous entrances is the Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman getting in the ring and hyping him up. <laughs> it's almost like a parody yeah. of that um, with what he's doing at this point. You know, I love how, given that we know that Hangman feels a bit insecure, particularly in relation to Kenny Omega, and how, you know, years and years ago, these guys had this feud that happened really between Kenny and Cody, but that Hangman sort of got caught in the middle of and, and ended up siding mm-hmm. with Cody on and and where Hangman really got put in his place by Kenny Omega at the time. That's Kenny Omega, you know, once again, doing this whole thing of being like, hey, I'm a wrestling god. You are not on my level. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned those entrances being satire and like that's completely in line with Omega. Yeah. I'm sure we've seen all the discourse online. Because you and I have seen this multiple times where people are like, well, he's not really, well, actually, he's not really muscly and he's not from the 80s. So he can't do this and he can't do that and he can't take him seriously. Like, Kenny's never fallen into the mold of a traditional United States wrestling champion. Like, if you think of, like, the average wrestler who's someone who's like big and strong and muscly and has like the championship belt which is the case for a lot of like 80s and maybe into the 90s and then the 90s is where we started transitioning into like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, like um this mm. quote-unquote smaller people but um he's never fit the mold of like that stereotypical like champion so why not just satirize it why yeah. not just parody it yeah hangman page comes out second This is actually the first podcast I've talked about Hangman in. Um, What do you think of his presentation, his entrance as he comes to the ring? I do want to comment that thinking about, and this is probably my only frame of reference because it happened very recently a few months ago, but like, and when I compare Full Gear 2021 to Full Gear 2020, night and day difference. Oh, yeah. Absolute (laughs) night and day difference. (laughs) Like, Hangman's still like, you know, in the in the fight for full gear 2020, but I noticed that he doesn't like exude like the same confidence and the same, like, you know, attitude. Yeah. absolutely. They're two completely different like mindsets. Yeah. I'll I'll put it out there here. Ghost town triumph, the hangman page Mm -hmm. theme. That is probably my favorite wrestling theme. I think it, it, it feels really epic, but it fits hangman page. So perfectly the, the anxious millennial cowboy, you know, it's, it's got, those western undertones but it also has a bit of a beat to it i love ghost town triumph his theme uh, and i think like yeah, the, it's a great the way, song yeah the way they've set up his entrance as well with the the way that the fight the pyro goes off when he does the pose I, I love that i think hangman page has got a really great presentation uh and i love his his get up as well it's very clear that 
he's designed his his things. He's got a theme that he sticks to, yeah. and and his gear is always on point. Uh, it's it's not the most complex stuff, but it it's just always perfect. And there's you know little accents that are just very nice. In this it one, it just feels way. very genuine. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. and and it's all him, uh, and it's clear yeah. that he's put a lot of thought and, and love into it and it's a you know a really great presentation at the start of this match uh kenny offers a handshake um which hangman refuses i've watched this a few times <laughs> i don't know how sincere yeah, it is it's almost like uh, this there's a few different ways you could take it is this like kenny's last chance that he's offering hangman a, a handshake to be like look we can still be friends or is this him as a bit of a jerk being like, well, you're the good guy, aren't you? Are you going to shake my hand or are you going to not, are you going to refuse to? Cause I'm, I've been a jerk to you. Where, where do you stand? I, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> what do you think? It's interesting because he's had, he's had these moments with hangman before the one most recent one I remember is the contract signing. And I know we're thinking of ha- ahead, but this is like one that I can make a connection to instantly, yeah. but um, the contract signing before their full gear match last year, because hang is Kenny's like, oh, well, I respect you, Hangman, and, you know, I want the best for you, and I I love you. I've done this all for you. (laughs) Remember the good times? And there's something about that that sounds mocking, in a sense. And to go back to that handshake at Full Gear, if Kenny really appreciated Adam, he would have picked him up at the end of their all-out match, and he would have been like, okay, you know what? It's okay. We don't need the titles. I'll walk you backstage. But no, he just flops him on the ground, kicks his beer can into the camera, and then just leaves. So Kenny was absolutely mocking Hangman here. (laughs) I I tend to agree with you. I was just, I don't know. There's just part of me probably wants to still be friends. (laughs) Um, I know. Same. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously we can't go into every single move in depth of this match so we'll sort of breeze through things as we go but the early lockups are intense they're sort of really just ragdolling each other around the ring bouncing off the ropes hairs flying everywhere you know and then they start trading shoulders really intense chops it just feels scrappy it feels intense it, it feels like brothers fighting which i love first major blow is hit by hangman he hits this, you know, really nice fall-away slam, then he's able to follow it up with a superplex. Uh, and it was surprising to me watching this back how much offense Hangman got early. Obviously, we've now seen Kenny Omega's title reign and he as a heel, and he spent a lot of that really dominating matches. I'd forgotten how how even this match was early on. Right. Like you said, these two have had two completely different journeys in both sides of the bracket for this tournament, and then them meeting up with each other in the ring for the first time since that all-out match it's not going to be entirely one-sided they know each other they've tag-teamed together they were the literal champions for a good portion of 2020 Hmm. so of course they're going to know like okay hangman does this or okay i know kenny's you know really offensive here of course they fight like brothers they fight like they literally just know each other yeah, absolutely. And they're, you know, brawling inside the ring, outside. Mm-hmm. Omega yep. gets back into things with a moonsault off the barricade. You know, they're ramming each other into the ring. It's a, sort of a mixture of Hangman is like the heavier, he has the heavier strikes and power, but Omega is able to beat Hangman to the punch with speed and counters. It's, it's an interesting dynamic because I, I looked at um, the Phoenix and Omega match a few weeks ago, and that's almost the opposite, where Phoenix is the one with the with the speed and agility on his side, and, and Omega's the one with the power and the strikes. In this case, it's reversed, obviously, because Hangman is a striker and he's a bigger bloke. What do you think of, of like the story of this match? What do you remember of the story of this match being? So if we're talking about the story within the match, like obviously, um, like I mentioned before, like they're pretty much attuned to each other. But I think the question going into this match was like, um, can Hangman, you know, beat Kenny? Is he there yet? Is his mindset there yet? I don't know if you remember, but at least on my Twitter timeline, people were pretty much assured that Omega was going to win. But you still had some people who um, were going to go for Hangman. Because they yeah, wanted that's... Hangman versus Moxley, like there were still there were still a good portion of of people who wanted Hangman, and I'm like, okay, it, that would be fine. But the overarching question is like, is Hangman ready? And based yep. on the character interactions that he had, 
on BTE and in Dynamite. He just wasn't there yet. Like, he has the offense. He's strong. He's a great wrestler. But part of the fact or reason in winning a match and then going on to win a tournament is having confidence and enthusiasm for yourself and just really knowing what you, what's best for you. It's interesting you said, uh, is Hangman ready? Because that's both like in kayfabe, but also the meta question yep. as well. Um, uh-huh. like, is he ready to be a champion? <laughs> is he ready to carry a company yeah. and all that sort of stuff? But also, is he ready to, for himself, is he ready to be able to go with Kenny Omega uh, at this level? And and as I said, he's got the strikes and he's got the power. So theoretically, he can potentially put away Kenny, but can he hold on to the Kenny Omega train that can go, we know from having watched previous matches, this is a train that can go for over half an hour at high pace. Uh, and and can yes. Hangman hold on to that? And, and is he able to execute uh, to such a high degree and with such power and force really deep into a match? As I said, it's really back and forth, and it's actually quite an even match. One thing that I love was they get back in the ring, um, there's, there's back and forth, and they're both attempt a one-winged angel. Um, I think just about yep. everyone in a who follows AEW, follows Kenny Omega, loves the mythology around the one-winged angel. What yep. do you think of Hangman Page attempting to use it? Yeah, like, I have an interesting relationship with Hangman and the one-winged angel. I remember from Revolution 2020 where Hangman did it, and, like, it still wasn't enough for the pin. And I've always held on to that spot because I'm like, I feel like he's going to do it again or attempt to do it again at some point and I waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and then again skipping ahead because these two matches are really connected together but um full year 2021 where he did the one angel I'm like ha finally he did it I've been waiting he actually did it but to um to go back to full gear 2020 it's pretty twofold so the first thing to me is that again hangman just knows Kenny so well that he can kind of sense to do the one-winged angel, but also I feel like Hangman feels that, oh, Kenny's got this move that's indestructible. He he literally wins by using it. Maybe I could use this move mm-hmm. and win myself. That's how it works, right? Yeah. And that... it's like he's taking something, he's taking something that isn't his because he feels bad about himself. Yep. You know? Yeah. Perfect. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's that's mm-hmm. sort of the angle I was thinking as well. Other wrestlers, um, I'm sure like there's been stacks of indie wrestlers who do it. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But, but other other high profile wrestlers, particularly in the Bullet Club, yep. ELP and, and Jay White are the two that I think of immediately. Mm-hmm. They have have teased it. I think one of them's actually hit it at one point. Uh, and I, I never liked those guys doing it, even though you know like there's the Bullet Club thread, I guess. But I guess the way they're doing it is almost in a trollish manner, which like, I dislike. There's a, bullet club, there's a bullet club thread, but it doesn't feel personal. Yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel very, very personal. Like, the two people yeah. that I can think are personal are Hangman. Mm. And then if we're getting into another entirely, like, higher level of personal, emotional thinking, Abushi. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. They're like but, the two like, people that are... Obviously, the Bucks are intrinsically linked with Omega, but I don't think they're going to ever pull it out mm-hmm. because that's not their thing. But And I don't think Ibushi yep. ever will either, but he's the guy that's once mm-hmm. kicked out of it. He's that's the, what I was going the for. The one yeah. guy it didn't kill. Well, um, only but, but, yeah, like I, I love the story beat and what it says about the character for Hangman that he is – that he tries to use it because, as you said, it, like, it speaks to so much about what he's going through and his insecurity – I, I like that beat. And they he doesn't hit it here, obviously. Um, he just attempts to use it, mm-hmm. and, and Kenny attempts it sort of mid-match as well. But Hangman gets out because he knows that that's not a place you want to be in. Um, <laughs> yep. Straight after, there's, like, a great counter to the buckshot lariat with Omega just charging at Hangman with a V-trigger before Page can launch it. You know, that's Hangman's. Yeah. Hangman's one-hit kill is the is the buckshot lariat, and, and mm-hmm. Omega's very very understanding of that and and he's scouted that and he's aware of that so as soon as hangman goes for it he immediately just charges at him and blasts him in the face um this followed up with like some great counters slamming one another on the entrance ramp the chemistry for these two is really good as we as we said and there's this really interesting bit where hangman hits the dead eye and gets kenny in the cover that okada pinned him in 
in the two out of three falls match where yeah. he, he pulls the legs in. In this one, the first time he tries it, he, he only captures one leg. And, and Callus, like, even notes on commentary that had he been able to secure <laughs> both legs, yeah. Hangman would likely have got the win. And then there's another set of, of counters. And after that, Hangman tries to get him in the pin again and gets both legs and is even closer to getting the three count. Obviously, Kenny Omega kicks out. But I love that that's another thing he's pulling from. He's seen how Kenny Omega has been beaten before with this kind of cover where he's holding Omega's legs and jamming his whole body weight down onto to Kenny's shoulders. And he's seen that that's a way you can put Omega away. It, it's a small detail, but, you know, these guys are great with such small details. Absolutely. As we've mentioned before, they're just really, really good at giving these fans so many great Easter eggs. Yeah, us us people who, you know, speak about it for an hour on a podcast. Plenty <laughs> <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, there's sort of heading into the final stretch, there's another buckshot lariat dodge. This one's just, like, so close. Kenny hits the ropes to go for a V-trigger. Hangman flips in, and Kenny gets underneath it, like, at the very last second. Um, yeah. That's a really, really cool little bit there. And then they follows it up with a V-trigger, gets another V-trigger when he's downed Paige, gets him up on the shoulders. I love there's, like, this just this last struggle where Hangman's, like, trying to fight Kenny for his arm so that he can't Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and then hits the one-winged angel. Kenny hits the one-winged angel for the pin. It's a pretty decisive finish uh, in the end. What did you think of the final sequence? I think the final sequence was fine, honestly. I actually thought they did a pretty good job telling the story that they needed to be told. They had to hold everything back in this match Mm. because, like, you know they're going to face each other again. Yeah. If they put everything out at that match, then I wouldn't have any idea, like, how they would be able to top that that for the next encounter. So, like, they did a great bout and that finish was fine. But, like, there will be a more satisfying conclusion, like, later on down the road. Absolutely. I I really like this match, though, even though, as we said, it was clear that they didn't you know, hold back a little bit, particularly on, like, the ending stretch. It was quite decisive what happened, uh, and I liked that that they did that. But this was a really fun match. It's not too long. It's it's about 17 minutes long, I think, um, so it's very it's digestible. Um, length. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, for, for what it needed to be for a hot opener. Because you had, obviously, had John Moxley at the top of the card doing some, like, really yep. incredible singles matches this year. But the majority of his high-profile matches, I'm thinking like against Brody Lee, against Teddy Kingston, they're not just straight-up singles affairs. And I was thinking like, what are the other singles matches this year that are just straight-up singles matches that have sort of matched this one? And the only ones I could think of was Mox versus Darby Allen. Uh, there yep. was MJF versus Jungle Boy at uh, yeah, Double from Nothing. Double and and mm-hmm. then the Iron Man match that Omega had with Pac, which feels like it was an eternity before this match, but they were actually in the same oh, year. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was also before, you know, the pandemic, so yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. why it feels like an eternity. Yeah, different era of, of, of mm-hmm. uh, AEW, really. <laughs> yeah, this is a really this is a really top match um, and, and definitely well worth going back and watching, particularly for those little details we mentioned. In, in the post-match, both men, you know, they're selling the effects of the of the match. I love how Hangman, he's looking, like, really dazed. You know, if, if a ref had tried to, like, go over to him, he'd try and take the ref down like he was still in the match or something. <laughs> and Kenny leans over a Hangman and, and says something before he walks off. And just in the last few months, we've learnt that he said, well done, Hanger, at that point as, like, a bit of a cheap shot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> man... These guys are just, like, constantly uh. planning scenes. <laughs> Overall, what what was your thought of this match after it happened? It was a great opener to Full Gear. Like, this opened the show, if I remember correctly. So, like, it's, it was the right match that needed to um, kick off the show. What they needed to do at that moment, they needed to do. Because my line of thinking, again, was, okay, Kenny's going to take the championship and then Hangman's going to win it from Kenny. Like, I was, you know, holding on to that forever. We hear it a lot. It's long-term storytelling, long-term storytelling, yeah. <laughs> so the long-term storytelling dictate, dictated that this wasn't the last time they were going to meet. And the next time they would meet in singles action in the ring, it'd be more intense, it'd be more hardcore, and it'd be more emotional, which is what we got a year later. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly a year later as well. Like, 
it's yep. there's a lot of symmetry to full gear now because of that and also the pay-per-view named after like hangman's own insecurities really as well which is something i probably yeah. should have mentioned back when we're talking about the build the full gear thing happened because hangman was uh feeling self-conscious about his body after being after looking at pack which i know personally that's something that we all go through really <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when you see a picture of Pac. <laughs> I, I really like the direction for both the men heading out of this. I think Same. with Kenny Omega, when this mat, when this promotion first started, there was a lot of people who doubted him and doubted his ability to be a star, and that was compounded by the fact that they intentionally chose not to make him a single star. Uh, and yep. There was, you know, a lot yep. of think pieces or, or hot takes being like, Kenny's washed. Kenny got carried by Okada. Oh gosh, Kenny, you're flashing me oh, back to pain. Yeah, sorry to, oh, sorry to no. do that. Oh <laughs> no. Uh, oh, uh, my brain, it's rotting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't doubt Kenny Omega's ability in storytelling at all. And I will say that those kinds of tweets and stories are online is probably like one of the most meta things I had seen of wrestling in a while because that actually did feed into his character. Yeah. Um, on TV. Yeah. And it did eventually lead to his heel turn. Yeah. And, you know, he needed to go in that direction. And we find out a year later that, oh, by the way, I've been doing all this with Vertigo. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, like, yeah. he did like the Hangman match with Vertigo, like both Hangman matches he did with Vertigo. And it just makes you think. The athletic skills of this bloke is, is incredible. Yep. Like the muscle memory to be able to pull the the sorts of athletic things that he does off while the whole world is just spinning out of control it, oh, insane but yeah like i i love that this whole this tournament really and this match of course being the crowning glory was was kenny omega almost leveling back up and yep. this pay-per-view goes off the air with him facing down john moxley and you know like i'm a giant moxley oh, fan, and at yeah. this point moxley's on a tear Same. and and Kenny Omega, he really did need to level up, and this is what did it. And then, you know, these two would go on to have what felt like at the time just this titanic clash. of. For me, it felt like the two biggest deals in wrestling facing off against one another. I um, know. Because like, of how... Moxley, Moxley and Omega are my two favorite single stars in AEW. So <laughs> you better believe I was so excited when they were staring down at the end of that paper, I'm like, oh my God, we're getting Moxie Omega 2. Yes, 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 yep. yes, yes, yes. And this is the match that sort of catapults Kenny. It puts the final like push for Kenny Omega. The Kenny Omega is back, guys. This is the yep. guy you've been waiting for. And that's what he would go on to be in, in 2021. And and then, of course, as we said, like Hangman Page, he has to struggle some more because he his character isn't done evolving his character needs to learn it needs to grow and and also talking at it purely from an outside of of kayfabe point of view he wasn't ready to be champion at this point either he was popular but he needed more crowd like he needed to to have more seasoning he needed to be in front of the crowd more to be like on the kind of level of the star that he would be when crowds started to come back and he had you know that that incredible entrance in the five on five and then ultimately would win in full would win at full gear 2021 so i, I love the direction for both men heading out of this if they'd done it any other way it would have yes. felt mental like it wouldn't have worked <laughs> now we know where this is heading this is a final question that i've got prepared we know where this is heading obviously okay. in full gear 2021 uh and i i really am looking forward to looking at that match at some point and i'd probably love to have you on at some point if you you know if you want to be back but what i wanted to ask was Looking mm-hmm. at this match, what do you think Hangman in particular took out of this match that helped him win in 2021? Oh, that's a really good question. I'd like to return to Hangman's theme of accountability because mm-hmm. I think that's really important. I think Hangman recognizing his mistakes that he's made and the flaws that, you know, really corrupted his mindset in full gear 2020 helped him win in 2021 he's a different person he has a more grounded support system all those things that he didn't have when he faced kenny the first time but now that he had faced him the second time and eventually did win the championship it really is a matter of like his mindset and character development yeah and it felt like hangman page had to like kind of sink in order to dig back up Mm. kind of like having a fresh start all over again from the bottom 
Yeah, and and we're talking about that from a storyline perspective, but even if, if like, this was real, like, athletics, in in sports, Mm -hmm. sports psychology is a huge thing, and, and sports people will talk about how how important their mindset is for things and how if they've got lots going on off field and they can't shut it out it will affect what's going on what they can yep. do in the actual sporting arena whereas when things are settled uh, and when things are going well for them off field then it's often it's with them doing well on the field because you know they they can focus better they can they can do that better and and that leads to a that leads to a high performance. So and and you know personally, we've all been in points where our headspace is all over the place and we can't perform at work or with whatever we do, uh, and that's affecting us. And then other times where you know when things are settled and bedded down, we feel like we can really focus and really dig in. And and that's what you're alluding to there as well as you know like narratively, it, it fits that you know when he's got everything together. Um, when we're looking at it from like a, you know, almost a literary perspective or a critically analysis perspective, like when he's got everything together off um, and in his personal life, of course, that's what leads to like his championship glory and, and in his professional life, that's what leads to him doing well. The thing that I would say is he learnt that he could keep up with Omega and he right. learnt that he did nearly land the kill shot and he did nearly hold him down for for the three for the three count that he needed to do and this was actually a more even match than i thought it would be and maybe that he thought it would be maybe he thought at this point that he would just get demolished that he would be completely blown away by the kenny omega train but he wasn't and and mm-hmm. that would probably have given him confidence as well going into into the big singles match that they had a year later where he knew that look, if I can get things right and I'm in a better headspace now, then I can do this. I can, I can hold yep. on to, I can hold on to this train and I can deliver. I've got the goods to take out this champion. Who's, you know, this, this almost God of wrestling, self-proclaimed God of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Look, as I said, that's all of the questions I've got for you. This has been a really fun podcast to do and a really fun conversation to have. Did you have anything you'd like to add about this story um, or about this match before we before we head out, Caro? Oh, gosh, if I did, we'd be here forever. (laughs) (laughs) We'd be here forever. I think I could do a whole podcast based on Easter eggs at this point. Um, But I think we covered a lot of ground. It's just a really beautiful, really poignant story. And I think it's like, I want to say aside from the Golden Lover story, it's probably my favorite story in wrestling. Yeah, I I love the S.H.I.E.L.D. story. Same, same. Yeah. Um, Ambrose slash Mox is like, he's my favorite character of all time. But in terms of just like a pure story from its ambition and scope, this is right up there with like the Ambrose role and stuff. And I think like this is yes. slightly more intentional almost in terms of how it's progressed throughout the years, which to me does matter and and sort of affects how this went. Whereas that one sort of came together at different points uh, and they made it work, but I don't think it was all like as planned out as this potentially was. We'll see where this, what happens with this, you know, in a year's time when Kenny Omega potentially comes back maybe and, and see where, where these two relationship ends up at that point. But yeah, for me too, this is like right up there in terms of an all time perspective. Um, So yeah. Thank you so much for for spending this time with me, Cara. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed the chat. Where can the good people find you if they want to chat to you about more about this or read more of your thoughts? So you can follow me on Twitter at Caro Tarot. It's spelled a little weird, so I will say that there are two underscores in between Caro and Tarot. So um, if you type all that up, you'll find me. Um, I'm also a writer for wrestling. In the the notes. Yeah. So I'm also a writer at WrestleIn.com. So um, we have a lot of features up. I've written about Kenny Omega specifically. Um, so you can find that piece there. I think it was published last last month. And I should write a piece about Hangman soon. Like there's been a lot of updates to his character and I really want to like dive into that again. Yeah, I will say just with WrestleIn as well, if you do like the really the narrative stuff of wrestling and the way that story and character develop in it, that's a great website to to have a look at. They really dive deeply into that it's a really really interesting website and there's lots of great pieces not just on AEW as well and all sorts of all different parts of wrestling and there's some great pieces on this particular feud as well yep. written by yourself and other writers as well so yeah definitely definitely head over there if you've enjoyed this podcast 
Um, as I say every week, you can find me at Sir underscore Samuel. Love to talk about this feud. Uh, you know, I just spent an hour and change <laughs> talking about it. So, <laughs> of course, come come chat to me about this. If you have enjoyed the podcast today, please like and subscribe to it. Uh, and you can also rate it on the podcast app of choice. And why not tell a friend as well? Um, bring a friend along for the ride. If, they, if, if you think it's been fun, then maybe they will as well. Uh, but until I see you again, thank you very much for being with me, Caro, today. And thank you for listening as well. for listening to the AEW Match Guide podcast. If you enjoyed the show, then you can subscribe on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. Also, feel free to let me know on Twitter at Sir underscore Samuel. I'd love to hear from you. The AEW Match Guide podcast is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find many other fantastic podcasts discussing not just AEW, but all parts of the world of professional wrestling. Looking forward to seeing you again next week. I'm Sam Brown. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.